Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Joining me once again, I am able to name the same starting lineup as last week. Guy Drinkland, Simon O'Regan. Simon, how are you doing? Not too bad, thank you. How are you? Yeah, very well, thank you. Guy, joining us third week in a row. I feel like Navigator. <laughs> I, I feel I'm going to have to get you a contract made up soon. <laughs> <laughs> right, we'll start things off with, with Monday night. Um, I watched the full 90 minutes of this game, and the only thing I can tell you that happened was the handbag fight at halftime. Uh, Simon, did you see this? Um, I, I didn't see the, the full 90, uh, just watched the highlights, um, of which there didn't seem to be too many. Um, the Yeah, that handbag thing at halftime, is, has anything come out as to, was there anything major in that, or is that just the sort of arguments that probably happens at halftime inside the heavy dressing room? Uh, yeah, I think that's it. I think it was just... Um... Son gave the ball away um, just before half-time. Um, didn't track back with the runner. Um, and Richarlison ended up getting a shot that went just wide of the post. And I think it was more of though, yeah, just something that probably should have been dealt with inside the changing room. But, I mean, Mourinho came out after it saying that he was pleased it happened because at least he showed some fight. Yeah, well, as I say, I'd, I'd imagine... Um... Most dressing rooms at half time have, you know, little arguments with each other. They obviously just started just before they uh, they left the pitch. Uh, as for the the game itself, as I say, I kind of only saw the highlights. It didn't seem to be anything. It, it seemed like a sort of typical end of season game between two teams in the middle of the table that can't really do anything. Yeah, it was, um, was, it was a pretty, pretty lucky goal. Uh, you know, for once, Pickford's own, then you can really blame him for it. Yeah, I don't know. That's so good. <laughs> I can't find a reason for anything when it comes to Pickford. Yeah, I think the, the only thing that I did notice um, from a personal point of view, I was quite happy to see um, Harry Winks getting a bit of game time. So I'm, I'm a bit of a fan of his. I, I think it's a, it's a bit of a shame, actually, that he's sort of working under Mourinho. Because I, I think under the right manager, I think he, he could be quite an asset in that sort of deeper midfield role dictating play, but I don't, don't think Mourinho really wants his midfielders doing that. So Yeah, I mean, he's still, he's still highly touted. Guy, did you see much of this game and what did you think of the, the handbags? You've surely seen this. The most pathetic excuse mm. for a fight from Hugo Lewis I've ever seen. I, I survived a half. It, it was very boring. Um <laughs> Yeah, same with you. I mean, as soon as you said Monday Night Football, I forgot there was a game on Monday night, and there's a reason for that. <laughs> it was horrendously boring. Uh, yeah, I saw the fight. 
pushing Lascelles over between you is, is one fighting tactic. I, I love it. <laughs> uh, but to be fair, I mean, it's, it's not something you'd expect from Son. Not the fighting, um, but the the uh, the laziness and the uh, petulant. That's probably the word I'm looking for. Yeah. You give the ball away and then literally just threw up his arms and like, what do you want me to do? It's, maybe it's just something I just expected under a Poch team, but Son's one of them players you think, oh, it's all hard work, it's all... Obviously, he's a very skillful player, but he's one of them players you expect the hard work to come with, like like our front lads. That's what you expect from yeah. our team. And at, at Spurs' peak, people were talking Son could get in Man City's and Liverpool's team, and as soon as the level of the team's gone down in one season, you're just seeing laziness like that. And to be fair, Lloris is the one person in that squad over the Mourinho who's actually had success. So... Fair play to him. He's he's probably the right person in the squad to call out. People being the captain, and uh, I'm pretty sure he's France's captain as well, isn't he? Or he's definitely yeah, vice yeah. captain. Yeah. So fair. I, I think it's fair play to Loris. To be honest, if if he's the one with the standards in the team, do do his job as captain. Yeah, I think I think Mourinho said it's not like he's. It's, it's not. A, I know we've brought up to it's a talking point, but literally was the only thing that happened in the game by the goal. Um, but it's you kind of I kind of like seeing it from players, you know. It's just mm. it, it shows that they care. It shows that. Especially, I think Simon summed it up nicely. This was a game that is really last game of the season stuff. Nobody can do anything. It's just case of turn up, get paid, go home. Um, and I, I was more disappointed from Everton in this game than anyone because I think they'd been much better under Ancelotti. Um, in this game, they just kind of I don't know. It was like they. They were lost of ideas. Yeah. Yeah, it really was. I mean, as I said, I only watched the first half because it was horrendously boring. <laughs> but uh, in what I saw, I mean, the, the really, I think Loris had to make one good save. But other than that, I can't really remember them doing anything. Like, Calvert-Lewin, I think if I remember correctly, the commentary was talking about him being a great defensive forward. And like, it's probably not what you want. I know you scored like a good few goals this season, but that, that's Bobby Firmino's trademark in the Premier League. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was just strange. I mean, when you've got a back like they played Toby and Dyer at centre back, isn't it? So you'd probably think that's a that's a defence someone like Richarlison and Calvert Lewin could get out, but you just didn't really see that in, in the bits I saw. Um, but I mean, Everton's midfield is an absolute barren wasteland. It's horrendous. Like, I know they've got injuries, like Gabarin, or however you pronounce his name, he's been injured all season, then got re-injured as soon as he finished uh, rehab on his first injury, which is unfortunate. But Gilfie Sigurdsson, awful. Tom Davis, that'd be harsh, he's only like 19 or something, isn't he? But Tom Davis, uh, uh, Andre Gomez as well, he, he's... Awful. Um, I, I just don't see. It. I just don't see it. They they need a whole rework in midfield and a Warby as well. Who? What did they spend forty odd mil on? Yeah. I mean yeah. that's eighty five million on him and Sigurdsson, and I can't. I'm pretty sure Gomez was thirty odd million as well. That's a lot of money for an awful midfield. Yeah, yeah. As I think we mentioned that last week that Ancelotti must have have some sort of guarantee that he's going to have money to spend. For him to take such a job, like Ancelotti's reputation in world football is obviously right up there. Um, I mean, arguably higher than Klopp's in a way. 
Um, from not, what no, not nowadays, I don't think. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. But you, mm. you'd think I get what you mean, yeah. There has to be some sort of guarantee for him to take this job because he's also a manager who likes to spend money as well. You know, he's not like a... He's not like one of the coaching types to, mm. to buy cheaper. He, he to tends be, to buy the ready-made players. To be fair, Everton have not exactly been shy in not spending money, but they've just spent it horrendously. So yeah. that that's the main problem there. But you think their best players recently... God, I can't even think. <laughs> <laughs> like this season, I'd like Holgate's jumping out at me for some reason. God knows why. Dinya's probably been one of their best signings in recent times. Yeah. Uh, Rich Allison, even though he was a tad expensive, they'll probably get the money back. Um, but you just think all the signings they've made, I can't really think of any standout. It, it, it just shows the problems there are. So. I agree with you. They they really need a big overhaul. They need to get rid of the fodder. Um, they need to rework the whole midfield, as I said. Defence, you can probably get away with. Um, a decent selection of centre-backs and stuff like that. Need a new, new goalkeepers. Got to be up there. <laughs> it's got to be up there. Uh, how, how is England's number one terrifying? Yeah, it's a, it'll be an interesting summer for both clubs, I feel. Um, mm. But, yeah, we'll see, but... Anyway, we'll move on to, to Tuesday night, where we've seen quite a lot of goals. Um, first game of the evening was uh, Crystal Palace 2, Chelsea 3. Um, Chelsea looked pretty comfortable at the start, and then almost Chelsea did. Uh, did you see much of this, Simon? I did, yeah. I was uh, watching that on the iPad and had the uh, Watford Norwich on the TV. I, I was a really entertaining game. Um, uh, yeah, as you said, so Chelsea started off Similar-ish to how they started off against West Ham last week in the first sort of 20 minutes, half an hour. They they seemed in real control. And then uh, as soon as Palace got that one goal back, it, it was strange. It was just like they... It, it was like a switch had been flipped and Chelsea, once again, their defensive issues seemed to uh, get the better of them. Palace thought we can, you know, really get going at them here. Um um, William, I thought, was excellent. And I'm surprised that it seems like Chelsea, they seem to be happy to be letting him go, um, which I really don't understand. It's especially if you look at how they've performed since the the football's restarted, I think he's been instrumental for them. Um, I thought Zaha's goal, I don't know how, how you, what your guys' thoughts are on this one. Obviously, he struck it very well. But part of me, maybe it's because I don't like Kepper, and so I'm looking to pick out faults. But it wasn't like it was right in the top corner. That part of me feels he should have done better with that. I don't know what you what you guys think. Spanish Pickford. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I agree. He was awful. He's an awful keeper as well. And then even um, so then you know, sort of going into the second half, I thought Palace started the second half quite well. And Chelsea seemed to sort of regain a bit of control. Went three one up, and I thought, right, well, that's that. And then straight away again, just Christensen, I thought, got completely done by Van Arnholt. And when Christian Benteke starts scoring against you, I think that's when you need to start having words with your centre backs. Yeah, yeah, I think I think you've summed up quite well, Guy. Did you watch the game as well? 
I had the unfortunate curse of flicking between both games on the same time. So I pretty much missed everything from both games because I was flicking at the wrong time. <laughs> um, I've seen I've seen the goals and stuff, obviously, but uh, yeah, it was it was it was an odd day yesterday. I put on the Norwich game, saw the Buendia goal, then kept that on and pretty much missed like three goals in the Chelsea game straight away. <laughs> it was great crack, and then missed the Welbeck overhead kick as well at the end in the other game. Um, but yeah, it's it, it's a strange one. Crystal Palace, I mean, since they've pre- they were pretty much safe even before the restart, let's be honest, but they got that win against Bournemouth, didn't they? Um, then gar- pretty much guaranteed safety, I think, even mathematically. And then since then, they've just not really looked arsed. Um, and I know they scored twice, but it was, it's such a strange game because Crystal Palace and Rory Hodgson, by extension, you expect defensive sell it. Solidity, and we've, you've just not really had that. I mean, we tonked them 4-0, um, Chelsea scoring three past them. Was it Burnley who beat them? And what, Burnley scoring one goal is like the equivalent of four from other teams. <laughs> um, so, yeah, they've just not, they've just not looked arsed, really, since, since they've got safe. I mean, the first goal is obviously very unfortunate with Cahill twisting his knee or whatever he did when he, when he fell over. Um... Gaeta, um, the keeper, I've probably butchered his name there, like I always do. Um, the Palace keeper, he's one I actually rate in the Premier League, but he seems to have just kind of given up all hope of trying to be a professional goalkeeper for the few games I've seen him in. He, he like, he's usually, oh, he was very good before the break, but he just seems to have <clears throat> gone off, gone off really. Um, uh, and I think he could have done better on the Pulisic goal. I can't remember the Abraham goal. I was probably watching the goddamn Norwich game, and I can't remember it. Um, oh, that's the one where he walked through the centre-backs, wasn't it? And he kind of dinked it over Sacco, didn't he? Um, but yeah, I mean, I agree with I agree with uh, with Simon there. The keeper on um, Zaha's was... Uh, was not good, um, and I can't remember the Benteke goal either, and that's a rarity. Good damn, <laughs> uh, that it must have been. It must have been something, but it, it just shows the flaws in both teams. I think Chelsea conceding two to a to a Palace team that doesn't score goals. It just explains why there's a such a huge gap between Liverpool, then Man City, then the rest. I know Man City don't have a good defence, but we mentioned it on last week's show, didn't we? That. Chelsea conceded more than Arsenal, who have David Luiz and Mustafi as their first choice centre backs, is <laughs> is something you need to address. And buying ninety million pound attacking midfielders isn't going to fix that. <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent. Like everything you've said, and I think we'll we'll go on about the Chelsea one because it doesn't look like they're addressing that defensive side or Arsenal so guess what this time next season when we're we're maybe doing the midweek show again if Ross has us back you know it's 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 going to be the same conversation I feel but I mean to be fair to Chelsea they're getting the results they're playing some decent football I mean William um, is clearly playing for a big contract somewhere because mm. since we've came back like if this is the William you were signing there'd be a lot of big clubs taking taking the opportunity to sign him um, well, they've rejected like sixty million pound bids from Barca like three times, haven't they? Yeah, and now they're going to lose them on a three unless mm. it's last minute deal. But with the players coming in, you you have to say that I don't know why we'd want to. Mm, so he's just on the bench again, you'd imagine. But 
I think well, a, a friend of mine is a Chelsea fan. I was talking to him on the weekend about it, actually, and he seems to be under the impression that Chelsea are only willing to offer him a one-year deal, and I think he wants a two- or three-year deal, um, which, uh, as I say, I think Chelsea, with the uh, wider players coming in, they've got hudson Adoy. I think they're probably thinking he's not, you know, the future of this club. So, and if I, I think Arsenal have been rumoured to offer, you know, a few hundred thousand pounds a week for William on a two-year deal. So, I suppose from his point of view, he'd rather have the security mm. of a longer deal somewhere else. Them two teams just really need to buy a centre back, <laughs> not, oh, no, not no, wingers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But speaking of speaking of Arsenal, Arsenal forwards, um, we'll go on to the ex-Arsenal wonder strike um, for the winner against Watford two Norwich one. Uh, you you were watching this, Simon, paying close attention for the for the relegation battle down there. What did you make of this? Yeah, um, I've got to say, the, for the majority of the game, you could see why both teams were down there. Um, it was it was not the best quality football match I've seen. Having said that, the first goal, uh, Buendia's goal, was was a really well-worked goal. Um, Hernandez did quite well in the build-up and it was a nice little finish. Uh, Watford's equaliser, it just sort of sums up Norwich's uh, season in terms of defence. I think it was a free kick from out wide whipped in. Dawson's about four yards out and he doesn't even jump. He just sort of lets the ball hit his head. Um, which you know really shouldn't be happening. Um, but then the rest of the first half and the, for the majority of the seconds, the lack of quality from both teams was there to see. And not in a million years, if I'd have had to have picked how the winning goal in that game was going to be scored, would I have said a Danny Welbeck overhead kick? That just, I mean, from a Villa fan point of view, I, I wanted Watford to drop points. If Danny Welbeck, who hasn't scored for about two years in the Premier League, is coming on and doing that, you know the looks against you. Clinical goal scorer, Danny Welbeck guy. It's like he's turned up for England again, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, it's not something you'd expect, especially in 20 bloody 20. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's probably the thing about Watford, this sh- I, I know the defence is horrendous, but you look at the forward line that they put out. Um, what was it? Sardini, Decore, and Welbeck. That's yeah. that's 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 mid table. That's mid table. That. Like I know the defence has got awful, but even then you've got Kapuwe, Will Hughes, Shalabar, etc. That's a good midfield and good attack. Um, Foster's a good keeper as well. Yeah, Foster's a very good keeper as well. Um, but yeah, I think they've neglected the defence pretty much the entire time they've come back in the Premier League, which has been the problem. I think the only centre-back they bought was Craig Dawson, who was a right-back at West Brom for most of his time there. Um, so yeah, it pretty much sums it up. But um, ah, they, sh- they shouldn't have been down there all season. Like I know um, Delafeu's been a big miss um, and stuff like that, but Delafeu, Saar and Dini with Decore behind, that, that's that's enough to be mid-table, especially considering the teams that are in mid-table this season. It's yeah. They've just been poorly managed, probably from top to bottom. I mean, Javi Gracia probably should have got more time considering they brought back... Um, Christ, I can't even remember his name. 
you've lost me in Watford managers. They've had so yeah. many. What the hell's his name? <laughs> oh, God, someone's going to be screaming at the at the microphone. The block, yeah. the block they brought back for the second time. He, he, Kike Sanchez Flores, that's the one. That's the one. That's yeah. the one. I didn't even Google that. That just popped in my head. Um, him coming back, then it just went to... to to hell and then hiring Nigel Pearson had a bit of a purple patch and it just kind of went back to normal then obviously beat us which is which is sound <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah it's if they do stay up which I think they will just about maybe maybe Nigel will get at the start of the season but they should do a lot better next season you'd have to think so depending on who they keep and stuff but just buy a centre back Pretty much the theme of this podcast so far is buy a damn centre-back. <laughs> <laughs> it, it seems to be. I mean, Simon, obviously this game had massive implications on, on your own team down the bottom. Um, yeah. I'll be, as you said, pre-pod, obviously it's a bit gutting that Watford got that winner. And probably more, more, more a kick in the stomach as well, obviously how the goal happened. Um, it's not an everyday goal. Um, yeah. Do you feel Watford are just that? I I think I think they've got a four point gap now, and I I think I I tweeted out after the game last night that the fat lady isn't on stage singing yet, but Watford winning I think was sound check complete. Um, I think it's going to be very we we need to beat Man U tomorrow, which is just not going to happen. Um, I think four. Four points with four games to go. It doesn't sound. It sounds like you, should, you know that's something that you could make up. But we've just shown absolutely nothing to suggest that we're going to win any games. So I think that may that may have just saved Watford. The only sort of uh, crumb of comfort, as we said before, was uh, is that Watford and West Ham still have to play each other, and Villa have to play West Ham at the end of the season. So. We're still in with a shout, but I, I think that that was a huge, huge result for Watford last night. I mean, Watford could possibly stay up being the only team to, oh well, at the time, the only team he had beaten Liverpool at the time. That would have been that would have been second and for any team to get relegated because the <laughs> freak show win. <laughs> and it saves them. <laughs> um, so the last game, the later game, of the evening, and speaking of teams that need defenders, um, mm. Arsenal won, Leicester won. Guy, is this not the most Arsenal performance ever? Yes. Yes, it is. Um, Well, to be fair, it's not, because in 2020, an Arsenal game to me is like free all when they win like 3-0. So 1-1's quite tame, really, but um, they should have been out of sight in the first half, really. Um, They they were playing some great stuff. Saka and Aubameyang were linking up quite well, and Lacazette was there being bad. that that's a problem for Arsenal. Um, I know we talk about the defence and stuff like that, but it was probably the forward line that let them down in this game because Lacazette had a few sitters he could have scored with the header, especially. Um, and Lacazette, he's a player Arsenal fans seem to rate, but I know he had a, a good reputation at Lyon and stuff like that, but his time in England, from someone who... Let's call myself an FM hall. <laughs> His reputation, he's just not matched that in England. Like he, he's not been that good. Like 
I just don't. I just don't see it with him. Like if if he keeping Aubameyang's one thing, but if they're worried about losing Lacazette, I don't see why. Like Arteta's starting in Ketty, obviously we'll come on to it in a sec what he did, but Arteta's starting in Ketty ahead of him in a good few games. So yeah, um, if I was Arsenal, I'd probably be selling Lacazette and reinvested in probably a defensive midfielder or a centre back, and then. Um, Going forward, I mean, you can build round Saka. If Aubameyang signs a contract, fair dues. Um, who else have they got? Pepe. Um, had a bit of an up and down first season. Probably not justified the 72 mil, but Saka, Aubameyang, Pepe is a decent front three to go around. And obviously you could fill that up with um, Martinelli. Uh, who's that other young lad they've got? Can't remember his name, um, but they've got they've got a decent front option. So I'd be selling Lacazette and reinvesting if they've got no money. To be honest, um, but uh, yeah, the red card is probably the biggest talking point for me. Like I got distracted in the second half, so I only saw I watched As- um, Arsenal fan TV as you do when Arsenal don't win a game because. Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? Um, and the outrage from them saying it's not a red card. I went on. I went on Twitter searching for the highlights and stuff like, expecting it to be proper soft. He lunged at his knee. <laughs> it for me, it's a hundred percent a red card, especially in twenty twenty. Like, fair enough, he went for the ball, but it's knee height, and he kind of lunged out at him. I don't think you can have many complaints on it, really. So, for me, the red card's there. It's 100% a red card for me. Um, I've only just seen the equaliser, and I know there's... Um, where, is it Perez who might have touched it, and it would have caused him to be offside? I, the, the highlights I shown didn't zoom in on that, so I'm not sure if it, was, if it was meant to be disallowed or not. But, again, that's what Arsenal fan TV was saying. There's a conspiracy against Arsenal and stuff like that. But... Uh, <laughs> 1-1, neither, Arsenal probably looked better from, from the bits I've seen, but um, it's probably a result that doesn't help either of them, really. Siren, uh, I'll, let, I'll let you speak in the game before I give my points, obviously, and the two talking points. What, what did you make of the game? Um, kind of have to agree with what uh, Guy said, really. I thought the first half, Arsenal, I, I was very impressed with them. Um Lacazette had a really good chance. Schmeichel, to be fair, made a great save. Mm. And funny, when you're talking about Lacazette, it reminds me of I mean, when they first signed him a couple of years ago. I remember Paul Merson talking on Soccer Saturday um, saying that they, they'd been sniffing around Lacazette for about three or four transfer windows in a row and they'd never gone for him. And he, mm. he was sort of questioning, there must be a reason why they took so long to go for him. Um, and that I suppose that maybe has, has shown in his Premier League career that you know, great in the French League, but it's, it is a step mm. up to the Premier League. Um, the rest of the game, I, I thought um, Leicester got into it more in the second half, uh, but you know Arsenal should have really put the game beyond beyond their control. Or they should never have given them the chance to get back into it. The equalising goal. You want talking of Arsenal fan TV? Watch them watching that equalising goal go in because if you've got a spare four or five minutes, it it will brighten up your day. The, the level of outrage in there, <laughs> and I don't understand it because I I don't know why VAR took so long looking at it. You could see from one replay he wasn't offside when the ball was put in, 
and Perez clearly didn't touch the ball. So I, I didn't really understand um, what what the big controversy was. To to be honest, uh, I thought Martinez in goal for Arsenal. I was quite impressed with him actually. So Leno, I've never been mm. overly enamoured with, and I thought Martinez. I'm assuming he's a young keeper, and he he came out and and sort of dominated his area quite well, claiming crosses. So I thought that that was a good positive for them. Um, and then when uh, obviously Arsenal went down to ten men, Leicester sort of took on control of the game. And I, to be fair to Arsenal, I thought they closed the game out very well, which which was unlike what you'd normally come to expect from Arsenal. Yeah, yeah, aye. Um, so, right, where will we start? Let's go for the goal. Um, I have no idea what any any of the outrage... I mean, I've even seen comments that it should be offside because the Leicester player went for the ball. He was onside when he went for the ball. He missed it. Yeah. <laughs> so I couldn't, I couldn't get that logic. Um, it's clear that it doesn't... He doesn't. Actually, it's not clear that he doesn't touch the ball because... You know, we, we can't get a close enough still. But the ball doesn't change direction in any way. So we have to assume... Yeah. You know, there is no contact. And if there is contact and Arsenal have been hard done by, it must have touched it by the slightest of margins that it's actually made... You know, it's like it's hit a lace type thing. So yeah. It's to, to claim controversy over it, it's a joke. And for me, the red card, it might be one of the clearest red cards I've seen in a while. Um of course he's going for the ball, but his leg is straight and knee height. Like, yeah. And he plants his studs into his knee. He, he did, there's no, I've no doubt he didn't mean to do it. He, you can see he's clearly just trying to nick yeah. the ball in the defender, but he doesn't, the defender gets to the ball first and, and he goes into his knee. I, I don't see mm. how you can argue with it. What do you make of the Vardy roundhouse kick, um, Ali? Um... Pass. Um, if you can't <laughs> talk about it, and I'll YouTube it. <laughs> it's one where he's on the floor, um, and he kind of boots Mustafi in the head. If that helps you googling it, but right. uh, it, se- it seems to be that Arsenal fans are outraged about that now as well. But at the time, it looked more accidental. But I think the more you look at stuff in slow, more you like he's booted him in the head. <laughs> yeah, I, I, everything like that looks worse in slow mo, and if it's as if it's been pointed out to you, or he's kicked you in the head, yeah. and then you look at it with that mindset, as you say, watching at the time, I, d- I didn't even think anything of it. Can't find. See, I was um, just on other incidents that were going back a, a few a few months now. Obviously, was it the Harry Maguire one on Sunday when he just put his foot up? You know, everybody yeah. wasn't saying that. But for me, that one wasn't. A sending off either. I didn't. I didn't. I could see if he'd been sent off, I wouldn't have had arguments with it. If you know what I mean. Mm. Uh, but I can also see referees thinking behind it. Wait a minute. Here we go. Here I take it. Oh, oh. I think again. I would. I would. I would always be very surprised if a referee sent a player off for that, purely because. Mm. It's impossible to prove if he's done it on purpose, isn't it? Yeah. It's not even so much he's done it on purpose because obviously, even if it's accidental, a player can still be sent off for that. But because of the, mm. just the, the sheer way Vardy's went down and his body's turning, 
It could look like a natural movement. So it's not like he's actually like and the players down at the same time. But also, I wouldn't be surprised to know that retrospective action came about it. If that makes sense. Mm. Uh, because it, it, my maybe cynical head on it, it looks like Vardy's meant that. Um, <laughs> and we, 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 Vardy's kind of like that street footballer type um, that just wants shit else. <laughs> you know, a bit of a he's got a bit of Sergio Ramos about him. Um, yeah, and and fair play, fair play to Vardy. Um, but yeah, I can see why Arsenal maybe feel aggrieved by that. But again, I, I, I always make this argument. Obviously, being a referee myself, is two wrongs don't make a right. Like so, just because you got one wrong, you can't make another one wrong to make up for it. You know, you still have to go for the the decision regardless. <laughs> Um, and, and I think the referee's got the, the the Arsenal striker. I can't pronounce his name. Nikita. We'll go with that. Nketiah, uh, I think. Yeah, I think he. I think he's got that spot on. Um, that that was a massive point for Leicester, though. Back to the football. Um, getting that getting that equaliser. Um, maybe. Obviously, they got the win. Did they win last week? Yeah, they won at the weekend. The yeah, yeah I can't remember who. They won. Uh, Crystal Palace, wasn't it? Oh, God, I, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, we, we all said Vardy was finished two weeks ago, guys. So, um, yeah, we're, we're really good at these predictions. <laughs> well, we didn't count on Mamadou Sako being the nicest person in the world and giving him a free goal. <laughs> booster, I like it. Right, anyway, let's move on to tonight's games. And um, Sorry, Dave, um, but... Um, Newcastle really rolled over for Man City in this game and um, Chris and Dave at the weekend literally slated well no sorry not Chris Dave slated Jesus for being terrible um, and whilst I agree with him I knew it was going to bite him who <laughs> opened the scoring for Man City <laughs> hmm. uh, I mean five. do we take anything from this game apart from Newcastle I've got nothing to play for and aren't very good um, and Man City are you Ma- know my interest in this game is summed up by the fact I've not even looked at the highlights. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. There's like two other teams who have literally zero things to play for at all. Right. Simon, what did, what did you make of this one? Then? Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I have seen the uh, the three minute highlight package that Sky put together, and even in just that three minutes, I think Newcastle should just be grateful that it was only five. I mean, Foden could have had a couple. I had a quick look at the stats. I mean, Man City had 74% of the ball and 23 shots. It was, I mean, yeah, it's just one of those games. Newcastle, nothing to play for. Man City, they can, you know, they can do that to anyone, can't they? And uh, it's just one of those results that, that you're going to get against uh, when you play against City uh, on occasions. Yeah, I think we'll just move on for that since none of us really seem to care yep. too much. Um, for anybody who, who does care, uh, Man City's goal scorers, uh, Gabriel Jesus, Riyad Mahrez, Anongo, David Silva and Sterling. Uh, one thing I am pleased about, David Silva getting a goal. I'll, I'll always have a soft spot for mm. his His free kick, it, it was a lovely free kick and it'll be a shame to uh, see Silva leave the Premier League. So I think he's been one of the best players to have played in, in the league since since he's been going. I, I love watching mm. Silver. He'll be uh, a big miss for them, I think. He's still, even though he's 
what, it must be 33, 34 now. He's still in their first team, quite yeah, comfortably. Very influential as well. Yeah. I mean, everything seems to go through him one way or another. Um, but yeah, no, I think you're right, Sam, and he'll be a massive miss to the Premier League. Just for not so much like opposition fans and real football fans, but you know, just the one, or not Premier League fans, shall I say, but anybody who's watching games that just pop on TV, you know, he, he he's the sort of guy who would attract like new fans to the sport. Definitely, definitely. Br- mm. Just brilliant footballer, but it's a big opportunity um, now for Phil Foden to, mm. to hopefully get a good run of games. Wash your mouth, like. Check it. What comment you've made since Harry Winks should be a good footballer? <laughs> Speaking of um, just absolute nonsense, Wolves performances. Um, mm. For the last few weeks, I have hammered on about how Wolves were guaranteed top four. Wolves should be relegated the way they're playing recently. Sheffield United won. Wolves no. John Egan ninety third fourth minute corner. Um, I mean, I, there's what, like, guy, you watch this game. Unfortunately. Excite- Sorry. <laughs> Go on. So did anything exciting happen? I'm guessing by that, no. <laughs> uh, no, literally nothing. Um, Adama did the odd Adama thing, but I think teams have just kind of learned. Right, he's going to run down the line and try and cross it to Jimenez. Jimenez ain't going to do anything on his own, so let's all just have four people run at Adama Traore. He still gets through, but it's it's becoming less and less um, frequent, the success of it. Um, but, yeah, since since we've praised him, and, like, I know you can't. You went over the top. I still predicted him to become fifth when we did the first week. Uh, first week show, um, and they've just gone off the boil completely. Um, and I think you're now seeing the reasons why the manager's at Wolves instead of I think he was at Porto and Valencia. I think you're now seeing why he's at Wolves. When when the game's going wrong, like I know he's kind of settled on the back three. But you can move away from the back three when you need to score a bloody goal. Um, and taking off... Like, the last couple of games, he's take, he's moved Adama Traore to right wing back when he was your most dangerous player. And then he took Adama Traore... Adama Traore... Traore Jesus Christ, I can't speak. <laughs> Traore off today. Like, I know you've got to rest him, and I know Wolves have, like, 13 people they use in the squad, which is pretty much the starting 11, Den Donker, and... Neto, but Christ, um, rest them when you can, not when you need to win. Because Wolves need need to win. It's it's just so strange. They they need they need additions in the summer. They they really need to add if they if they want to become a Champions League club. They they need they need a better defence. They need an attacking <laughs> midfielder, and they need to be less dependent on Jimenez for goals because. Jota has this this season. He's just not done anything. Like I think Neto's done better than him. To be fair, this season. So I'm not saying they need loads, but I think they probably need one in each position. So yeah, yeah. I've said that for a couple of years now. They they do need. I I, I love Jota. I really do. He's he's kind of like a, a a poorer version of Firmino for us. Um, but. They don't play the same way as us. They don't have the wingers that have the goals. 
So they do need a goal scorer because that's where the chances fall to. Um, Simon, I mean, what's your thoughts on this game? Um, yeah, like Guy said, nothing really. I was really disappointed because I was I was expecting um, a reaction from Wolves after losing to Arsenal on the weekend. And, you know, they, these are still two teams with, before the kickoff, sort of outside aspirations still of, of hitting the top four. And I, I thought it would be a really good game. But I think Neves hit the, the bar of the free kick in the first half. And apart from that, I, I honestly can't really remember anything happening and, and, until uh, the 93rd minute. It was great header for Megan as well, by the way, I must say. Very good ball into the box and a really good header. But yeah, Wolves, you know, from last week um, when I was on with you guys, I, I was waxing lyrical about them saying they'll, they'll finish in the top four. Lost the next two games, so I'll put, I think I'll put the uh, kiss of death on them there. But um, yeah, it did, just not not a good game of football to watch. And I, I, I actually think it was one of those games where it really does show how much um, it's a miss not having fans in the stadium because there was just... There was just no tempo to the game at all. And, you know, full stadium, I think it, it would have made it a much better game. I wonder how much... Not they'd given up on the league, obviously, but more planning, still trying to plan for the Europa ahead as well. Because the way, obviously, the Europa... They are still in the Europa, aren't they? They are. Yeah, yeah they yeah. beat Espanyol. The, yeah. the batter them in the first leg or something. So the way that's set up, only been one leg... I mean, they've got a great chance of winning that. To be not, fair... If not the, the way they're playing just now, obviously. Yeah, I was going to say, if they, if they go into the Europa League playing like this, they're not going to beat Inter Milan. They're not going to beat Man United. And I can't think, I can't think of other teams that are in the Europa League, <laughs> which sums up how much I watch the Europa League. But United were in it as well, so mm. yeah. I mean, something needs to change, but again... Like, let's take nothing away from Sheffield United. What a wonderful season they're having. Mm. Um, I kind of thought when the break started and they, they came back with a couple of defeats, I thought they could maybe drop like right down the league. Um, and I mean, I mean, it's quite tight there, so they still might. But regardless where they finish, what a season in the first year in the Premier League. Um, yeah, out, out, outstanding. Uh, as you say, for the... The break came at the wrong time for them, and it looked like it sort of put a real halt on on the momentum that they built up because they didn't start off great. But yeah, to, to be fair, they seem to have sort of reorganised themselves again. And as you say, yeah, it doesn't matter what happens now for the rest of the season. It's, it's been an outstanding uh, first year back for them, definitely. And speaking of outstanding seasons again, um, the next game, which would be a, a delightful result for you to see Simon as well. Burnley beating West Ham. Um, West Ham, and apart from obviously the Chelsea result, but I think, as you said before, pod guy, uh, West Ham always always seem to beat Chelsea. Mm. Uh, this is a great win for Burnley. Again, it can add on to our wax and lyrical on Deitch. It's about the only thing we've got right, guy. Um, what a job he's doing at Burnley. Ninth in the table now, a point behind Arsenal. Yeah, 
Uh, no, sorry, go, go on, go on. No, I, I was just going to say, we, we need a theme tune for the Sean Dice moment of the week. <laughs> That's about it, but you, you go, Sarah, you can go first. Yeah, it was, yeah another great uh, result for Burnley. Actually, um, I sort of I flicked over to that game and I heard the commentators say that in the last 12 games, only Liverpool have taken more points than Burnley, oh. which I was, yeah, I was, I was quite surprised to hear that and... But it just goes to show what a great job he's done. Um, the game itself, actually, sort of then watched the little highlights package. It looks a fairly decent game. Both teams had a few chances. Um, Nick Pope in goal made some great saves. And I, for me, I can't understand why he's not England number one. Um, but yeah, Burnley, it, I mean, we, we spoke so highly of Deutsch last week and... I don't think, you know, you can only just sort of reinforce what we've been saying. The the only thing in this game that I would say Burnley did get away with, Tarkovsky mm. should have had a red card. It, it it didn't show in the highlights package, but I had a, I was on Twitter earlier and he basically did what Enketia did in the Arsenal game, but a lot more forcefully to uh, Jared Bowen, I think it was. And he only got a yellow card for it. VAR didn't look. So he got a bit lucky there, but yeah, Burnley, superb season yet again from them. That's that's Nick Pope's 14th clean sheet of the season as well, which is, that's an outstanding. I mean, yeah. we know Burnley obviously defend quite quite compact, and but they, they, they don't have the greatest defender. I mean, Phil Bardley is still playing for them. Yes. Uh, they, were, they were without their captain. Um, so, no, fair, fair play to them. Um, I mean, we we mentioned again. I can't remember if it was pre-pod or just at the start. Like the West Ham squad is is really too good to be where it is. Um, but I mean, yeah. on the positive side, Simon. You, I mean, you want them to keep losing because you, you probably feel that's the strongest team, the strongest position, and weakest team that you should probably catch at the moment. They're kind of in in three fall. I think we've said it since week one, guy. Um, they just don't seem to care since they came back. No, not at all. Uh, not at all. They just—it's just a mix of a horrendously run club. Sacking Pellegrini was probably the right decision. Maybe not now, <laughs> retrospectively, but hiring David Moyes—you scraped by last time you hired him. That doesn't mean you go get him again. <laughs> uh, they're meant to be like. Even for all the nonsense and stupidness that comes out of West Ham, the seemingly an ambitious club, like you don't spend 40-odd mil on Halle, 40-odd mil on um, Philippe Anderson, Jared Bowen, um, Fornals, etc., and then give them David Moyes. <laughs> it's <laughs> like, I know Pellegrini was probably the manager they had, but goddamn, hire a manager that, it's actually good in this decade, not someone who was good in the two thousands. It's it just seems it just seems horrendously run. Like their their ideal manager's probably been Rafa Benitez for a while because he was meant to go there before he went to Real Madrid and they were linked um, when Pellegrini went. I think so. I, I just I just don't get that club. I, I don't get it. They've got there's no way. As you said in the question, Ali, there's no way they should be where they are in the league. Like I mentioned Watford there. West Ham's team is better all over the park. 
like Fabianski's a good goalkeeper. Right, right, all the right backs are bad. Centre backs, Diop cost twenty odd mil. Ogbonna came from Juventus of all teams. Uh, Cresswell's getting on, so he's not the greatest. I know I'm just kind of going through the whole team, but it's it's a bit boring. Rice is like seen as the next great bloody DM to go to Man United. He was a year ago, so I I just don't see what what's gone wrong. And I've already pretty much listed all the attackers and Antonio. He's he's just annoying. He's like annoying and a good player in a, annoying in a good way. So I just don't see how how they are down there. They, I I imagine they regret sacking Pellegrini. I can't remember where they were, but I doubt he would have had them this close to the danger zone. I reckon he would have at least sorted it out somewhat. Like, even if he was, like, 13th or something like that. Still would have been underachieving, considering what they've spent in the last few years. But, Jesus Christ. Chelsea imploding aside, they've been absolutely terrible. Absolutely terrible. Um, And they really need to sort it, because I imagine, considering how badly they're presumed to be run. If they go down, they'll probably implode, you'd imagine. Yeah, it feels kinda like a a lead Sunderland type imploding yeah. like they, once they go down it might be for a while. I've just seen the the Tarkovsky Taco guy, thanks for the, yeah. the share. He, I, I think he can he can find himself very lucky that he's not sent off there. I I do think the 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 Arsenal one looks worse because his legs completely straight. Mm. Um, so you, you know you could kind of I'm just trying to look at it from the referee's eyes there um, from what both have seen, but I think he can find himself lucky. I mean, people, uh, what I think we both well we all mentioned it like during the tackle. You know, all the stills when we were talking about the Vardy one. You know, a photo always looks worse, mm. and so the the there's some of the photos shown in the Tarkovsky one that looks looks horrendous, but. I, and I mean, I guess that's maybe what VAR's for when you look at it that way. Um, but I think when the referee's deemed to have seen it, unless it's a, a massive change, I, I can see why VAR obviously haven't, you know, reviewed it as such. But yeah, I can think Burnley can find themselves lucky. And I mean, losing Tarkovsky, I assume Ben Mee's injured at the moment. That's why he's not played the last two games. Yeah, I think he's meant to be out all the rest of the season. So yeah, if you they lost her, not that it would matter, they're not going to go anywhere, but that would be a, a massive loss if, if you lost both of them. Um, I don't think there's much more we can add on that game. I mean, as I say, West Ham are they're in free fall, um, and they they really need result. Not that Simon wants to hear this, but they're going to need to pick up a, a win very soon. Um, and I mean, ideally against a team around them. Um, I. Play Watford next Friday, not uh, this coming Friday, next Friday night, uh, West Ham play Watford, so that that's going to be a huge game. Yeah, so I mean, that could be like a, a, a do or die position, depending on, on how obviously you guys do, Simon, um, up until then. Um, yeah. It's definitely the, the good thing, not for you again, Simon, I apologise, but for the, for the outsiders, it makes for an interesting last... I say few weeks, but I don't know, about two weeks left of the season, two games a week. So, you know, it makes for an entry. It's very tight down there and it could make some for some drama at least. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, uh, from my point of view, the, the fact that it, it is like that and that it's, it's still so tight down there means that we're sitting with a chance. Do you know what I mean? If, if it was all done and dusted, all pretty much done and dusted, it would make these last couple of weeks just even more unbearable. But the fact we're, we're still in there, 
means you know at least we've still got something to play for. Yeah, I mean, thing, I'm I'm saying fingers crossed because you're here, but if I'm being <laughs> honest, it's 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 not a, it's I wouldn't lose any sleep over who goes down. I, but as I say, I want Watford to go. I want um, West Ham to go down more than anybody. So if it means you guys staying up, I'm all for it. Uh, last game of the the midweek show then. Guy, we get to talk about Liverpool. Woo! Liverpool three, Brighton one. Um, the, good, good game as well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you kind of not feel for Brighton here because Brighton, Brighton. I mean, arguably we probably should have had more, but also Brighton wouldn't have deserved to be on a a higher losing scoreline. If that makes sense in any way. Mm. It, it, yeah, it was quite an open game. I mean, we were probably deserved winning, especially when we brought on um, Robertson, Mane, and Fabinho. Um, yeah, we just can't. That. Yeah, it does. It does help when you can bring on them free players. <laughs> uh, but uh, Brighton in the first half, I mean, it was two one on the scoreline, but it uh, maybe first fifteen twenty minutes we we were the better team by quite comfortably. Then all of a sudden. Their, their young right-back just went, ah, screw it, I'll just attack this young left-back <laughs> left out of position. And it just kind of flicked a switch. Like, they, they just seemed to click. Um, I think they stopped trying to play through midfield is how we got our, our first goal. Um, I think it was proper who screwed up, wasn't it? Um, and, yeah, it, it just seemed to went went down the wings, targeted Nico Williams. I'm not going to be overly harsh on him because I don't think... Their goal was completely his fault. I think Ginny and Ox weren't exactly doing a great job and the people in the middle weren't doing a great job, but it was just a good goal. I don't want to be overly harsh on anyone. But um, I quite like Brighton. I think I've mentioned this on uh, a couple of times I've been on. They just they play quite nice football. Like The teams that are normally scrapping for relegation, I know they're pretty much safe now. Um, not quite mathematically, but they pretty much are. Um, they've came back from this restart and they've not really just gone, screw it. 10 men behind the ball. They've, they've kind of stuck to the guns. I mean, they, compl- they outplayed Arsenal in the first game back. Um, United battered them. But they, they've seemed to um, to just stick stuck to their principles and it, it, it's paid off for them. Like, maybe an eyebrow was raised when they did sack Chris Hewton, but it seemed to have worked out, even if, they, even if they don't get the same amount of points. This is definitely a season of... Um, building into a completely different style of play. So I think it's been a successful transition. That's the bloody word I was looking for there. <laughs> a transitional season, that's what I was looking for. Um, and to be fair, taking a gamble on Graham Potter, only had one season in the championship um, coming from Sweden. So it's definitely paid off. And you're seeing, you're seeing it with the likes of Basuma, now Lamperty. Um, Trossard's improving, more pie for what they paid but it's still his first season um, but Trossard, Lamperty, Basuma McAllister uh, they got him from Brazil if I remember correctly or Argentina he looked quite decent um, so they're still they look like a team that's finally got a manager that can that can match their hmm ideas because I don't think Chris Hewton was the best to get to get the best manager to get the best out of all these foreign talents they seem to have brought over. So, yeah. But uh, more on the game, I think a bit sloppy from us in the first half. But as I said, as soon as we brought on the established lads, we I think we just kind of took an extra level into the game. Um, 
Naby Keita is a goddamn freak. I think people are going to start seeing the midfielder that we've only seen in bits and bobs, but that's mainly due to injury. When he's been fit and when he's had runs in the team, he is quite a transformative midfielder. And if he stays fit, which is a big if, and I'm going to touch some goddamn wood, um, <laughs> he he can he can be he can be the midfielder in our, he can be the player in our midfield that turns it from workhorse into a threat. Because he has everything, he has the press and he has the creativity. He can become a goal threat. Um, Henderson's a goal threat now, all of a sudden as well, um, which is great. Um, but yeah, Naby Keita and Mo Salah—they're probably the two start, uh, talking points coming back, coming out of this game for me. Yeah, uh, yeah I, um, I couldn't agree more. I mean, this is the first game I've kind of enjoyed from ourselves in a while. Um, I've just kind of went through the motions. Um, I mean, a certain, a certain weekend show um, basically says we're crap. Um, so I'm, I'm quite pleased to be crap and 23 points clear at the top of the table. It's all right, um, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's, not, it's not too bad, but yeah. I mean, Naby was, Naby was our best player um, tonight for me. Um, I thought Ox. I think, um, I think Rory um, from our group chat. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's kind of sums up um, Ox too well. He's just trying too hard to to be that man um, in the team, you know. Whereas last season he was, you know, coming off the bench and starting and stuff. So it was like there was no pressure on him. Um, so I feel he, I don't know if he's maybe just he's worried that it's maybe falling back into that Arsenal Arsenal way as such, you know, and mm-hmm. he's not really part of that. The first team, um, so that's a worry. But I, I, as you say, Naby was great. The defence, um, Nicky Williams did okay. Didn't do anything wrong. Um, young guy playing out of position. Um, Robertson <laughs> still drunk. Um, Van Dyke plays football like he's a cheat code on FIFA. Um, Gomez, he's doing all right again since he's. I think he's still the best English centre back. I think there is. Um, Hendo was good. Ronaldo, I'm not even bothered with a news contract. Um, We're getting Thiago anyway. Let's go. Well, f- fingers crossed. Um, Bobby, he's the most frustratingly loving guy in the world. Um, and Mo got two goals. Um, yeah, he did get two goals, didn't he? And an assist. And an assist. Yeah, we don't care about assists. We want a golden boot. Um and, and and he clearly wants it. It means a lot to him, in fairness. And I mean, that's what you want from strikers. Um, Simon, I mean, me and Guy have watched lyrical enough. Uh, did you watch it? What did you think? Uh, yeah, I did watch it. I, I thought after the first eight nine minutes, I, I thought we could be seeing a cricket score here. It seemed like um, obviously Liverpool since winning the league hadn't been at their their best, and it, it seemed like well, you know, maybe cops sort of giving them a bit of a rocket here. And it looked like, you know, they could put sort of five, six, seven past them. But I thought Brighton, I admire a team that, that tries to stick to their principles. But sometimes you've got to think, you know, first five minutes, we've got a goal kick in and they've got four or five players already on our defenders. Maybe just, just go long for this one. Um, but I thought Brighton improved a lot as, as the half went on. Scored a really good goal. I, I thought the young right back is it Lamptey, is it? Yeah. Uh, for, and I, I thought 
thought he had a, a really good, 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 uh, good game going forward, caused a lot of problems. Um, yeah, it's kind of what what you guys have already said. I, you know, Liverpool played definitely deserved to win the game uh, on balance of play overall. I thought Brighton did a decent job. They're probably safe. I, I think there's nine points between them and us. 10 with goal difference, so they're winning. No, we're not going to catch them, and Bournemouth certainly aren't going to catch them. Um, but yeah, I think Brighton next season be be crucial now what they what they do in the summer in terms of recruitment. You, you sort of, I think they need to maybe take um, a similar approach to how Burnley have done things, and that just season by season, just you know, you mm. don't need to go all out signing loads of players, just improve little things here or there, here or there, and sort of slowly climb your way up the table. But they, they look a decent footballing team. They've got some some good players in there. If they, if they had a striker, because I, I quite like my pay, but if they had a striker, you could maybe get them between 12, 15 goals a season. You know, that, that would push them right up the table, I think. But yeah, they're quite impressed. I thought it was a good game, to be fair, actually. Considering... I don't think there was really an awful lot rising on it. Um, it. I thought both teams put on a pretty decent show. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that's the most important bit to come out. I think it was a good game of football to watch. Um, Brighton never looked out of it yet. Liverpool never looked concerned of that. If that even makes any sense whatsoever. Yeah, um, three points closer to the to the points record. I mean, that's the only thing that I don't know how much the players and Klopp will really care about that more than the fans and the. And the golden rights, but do you know what? It's, it's three more points. Mm-hmm. The league's won. Um, I, I kind of find it hard to criticise a team that. I mean, how do you care? Yeah. I mean, I mean, guy, we 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 run quite a lot in our, our WhatsApp group, but how dare I mean, you? <laughs> how can we really complete? Like logically, I mean, can, mm. can you blame the players for not caring? Oh God, no. Five games. They've turned up sober, that's all he asked for. <laughs> I'm still not sure Robertson has. No, that's fair, that's fair. But uh, he, he, was, he wasn't meant to play this game, so it's all right. <laughs> uh, uh, anything's a step up from that Man City game, so fair enough. <laughs> and Burnley on Saturday, I believe it is. Um, and that'll be a tough game. Um, mm. I'm not sure if we'll see the the centralising Liverpool 5 6 nils between now and the end of the season. Just purely on rotation of squads. Um, let's just keep getting three points and see where we get at the end of the season. Um, and hopefully this time next year we're talking about the same the same problems. Um, but that'll be it from the from the midweek games. Um, covered all all eight games, I believe it is. Um, so thanks again for for you two joining me. Um, Guy, pimp your pimp yourself out. Yep, same as usual, uh, at Guy Drinkle, or if you're more interested in Liverpool stuff, at Anfield Index or at Anfield Index Pro, if you want a bit more paid um, stuff and you hear less of me, because I do all my job as producing rather than podcasting, so if you want better people than me podcasting, that's where to go. And Simon, where can they find you on social media? Uh, On Twitter, it's at Cy O'Regan. Perfect. And I'm Ali Thompson, 84. And you can find Man in the Post on all social media platforms as just at Man in the Post. Um, the weekend show with Chris and Dave was released today, I believe. 
Um, so check that out. Um, Chris and his merry band of merry men will be back on Friday with the from the Friday covering. I'd say just European football, but Chris has got a thing for Chinese football from Australian League. So you get all sorts over there. Um, so check them out and, and just check anything that Man Report's released. Um, if, if you're kind enough to like us in any way, give us a, a five-star review and rating, and that would be ever so lovely. Um, but again, thank you to uh, Guy and Simon for joining me, and we'll see you again next week. And always remember... Keep your man on the post.